Welcome to the ABI Online Radio Show, where you're about to hear from industry experts that will share their stories and advice on how you too can learn from their expertise and life's experiences. And now it's time for the next interview, so let's get on with the show. Welcome everybody to the show. It's Fred Gillen again, your host at ABI Radio Online. And today we have a finance broker with us, and it's uh, Liz Barter. And Liz operates out of Adelaide from a, um, a finance brokerage firm by the name of Finestream Capital. Liz joined Finestream years ago and, has, and moved on from the insurance um, industry in the financial sector. She specializes in a range of complex lending scenarios where her eye for detail and attention to a client's specific requirements is crucial to her ability to produce the desired outcomes for her client. Liz is extremely passionate about working closely with individuals where she can learn about them and their personal situation. Her personal approach that she brings to the role means she can adapt lending scenarios with a greater understanding and appreciation for clients' very unique situation. Liz's passion for people and property ensures she is driven to exceed expectations of clients and deliver the best possible results. She holds a diploma in finance and certificate for in finance and mortgage broking. So that certainly ensures that Liz has the credentials and the ability to deliver on any advice that you're looking for in the home loan arena. So with that, I'd like to welcome Liz to the floor. So Liz, welcome, and hopefully my introduction did you justice. Yeah, thanks Fred, it's good to be on the show. That's good. So the first question I've got, Liz, is can, can you share with us what our listeners would need to know about understanding the purchase transaction and if as a new entry into the real estate game, they're thinking about purchasing property? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the most important thing is understanding um, what position they're currently in and what position they're, they're looking to get in, whether it be buying another owner-occupied property, up, upsizing or looking to purchase an investment property. The key things to you know, a good transaction right at the start is having all the figures in front of you, understanding the fees that are associated with any purchase, um, both you know, the state government charges but also the lender's fees as well, um, and considering what sort of lending position you're actually in, um, in terms of whether or not your employment is PAYG or whether you're self-employed, there's a number of factors that um, sort of contribute to the best lending scenario. Um, Really, I mean, it's just about having the knowledge there and having all the facts on the table so that you can make the right decision and have all an informed decision um, in front of you. So besides a mortgage broker or real estate agent, what other professionals would the listener need to chat with and why? Yeah, good question. Um, often we encourage our clients to have a chat to... Uh, their conveyancer. Um, if they don't have one, we have one internally that we use just so that they're aware of the transaction um, and aware of how to transact in terms of an actual real estate contract. Um, other people typically can engage a buyer's agent, especially where they're looking to purchase either an owner-occupied or an investment property interstate. Um, basically, the buyer's agent can assist in um, managing the transaction for you in terms of the actual purchase um, and 
organising inspections and whatnot if you're unable to attend. Um, they're probably, you know, the key two. The other one that I would add is um, definitely a financial plan or accountant, um, especially where you're either self-employed, um, you're running it out of a, a business or drawings from the business, um, and also obviously the financial planner for having that understanding of how your property transactions can impact um, what your overall financial position or your financial goals are. Um, so they're probably the key sort of four that we would recommend. That's why I suppose it's a really good place to start. So with the process, um, how long would it normally take for the process and loan approval application? And is there anything that a listener can do to actually speed that up? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the transaction can typically take, uh, the, the fastest transaction I've seen go through um, was from initial discussion to settlement within 14 days. Um, that's probably you know, very fast paced in the market. It does depend on the lender in terms of how long it can take them to process the application. Typically most banks will run from either a 48 hour turnaround anywhere up to five days, five business days depending what's happening in the market. So um, we always take that into account dependent on the client. So if the client wants to move quickly, there might be extenuating circumstances as to why the transaction needs to happen immediately. Um, that's always factored into our decision when we're recommending products. Um, in terms of is there anything a listener can do to help speed up um, you know, processes, um, really the key thing is, is to let us guide them in terms of having the documents available, making them available to us as soon as possible upon request so that um, we can put it forward to the lender in its entirety. Um, and in terms of financials, um, that's probably one of the common things we see hold things up where um, people are waiting for their financial statements to be prepared or lodged, um, where banks are dependent on those for an outcome. Um, so in short, I suppose the process um, on average would take about 30 days. Um, but that's not to say it can happen longer and dependent on the settlement, sometimes it's, it's three to six months. Okay. And um, so if somebody like is not sure about their borrowing capacity or, you know, if depending on, I know it's all related to income and whatever else, but, but how yep. do they actually find out how much they can actually borrow? So the best answer is to go and speak to somebody. Um, there's a lot of tools that are available online which are very generic in nature. Um, so sometimes they can either overinflate or underrate what you can or can't borrow. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you should speak to a financial professional face-to-face -face, um, or one-on-one -on -one so that you've got a clear understanding on exactly what you can borrow relative to your specific circumstances. Um, in terms of how the banks determine what you or I would pay, it's developed on a number of factors. Um, they take into account certain measures like the Henderson Poverty Index or the Household Expenditure Measure, which basically um, they use them to help calculate the maximum size of the loan that you can borrow based on your income. So um, that's used um, so that 
they have a, a minimum benchmark essentially um, and then factors like how much deposit you have, what your stamp duty amounts are relative to each state you're in, um, that will all impact exactly what you can borrow. Um, but the number one thing is have a conversation face to face with somebody. Don't rely on calculators as an absolute um, guarantee that that's what you can borrow. Um, and you know, definitely have that conversation so that you can get a pre-approval of some sort in place so that then you have confidence going to the market knowing that that's exactly what you can borrow um, as opposed to risking you know, using an internet tool based and then going to a property and making an offer based only on that. Um, the more information you can give, the more likely it is to you'll have an exact figure of what your rate would be um, and how much you can borrow. Okay, I think that's that's reasonably clear. So what are the benefits of making re more regular payments as opposed to, like, or are there any, if you make weekly payments rather than monthly? Is there any benefit at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the overall principle, especially from owner-occupied debt and the typical mortgage we see in Australia is that you want to decrease the principal as much as possible. Obviously, once the principal is focused on being paid down, your interest expense is less and therefore your mortgage term decreases. So there's some simple things you can do. Um, a lot of people make use of offset and redraw accounts if they're on your loan facility. The idea there is that you're bringing down the principal and therefore the interest that's paid. So that's one um, often common strategy people use. Um, paying your, your payments more regularly, so weekly or fortnightly even, that can really impact things um, each year and of course over the life of the loan. So if your monthly mortgage payment for example is $1,200 and you selected weekly payments, um, the, the bank will just divide that monthly payment by four which means your weekly payment is $300. And the outcome there is that there's more than four weeks per month. Um, so by paying one quarter of the monthly payment each week, you're in effect paying more into your mortgage. And what that means is over the course of one year, um, your $1,200 per month is $1,440, for example. Um, whereas if you're paying $300 per week over the 52 weeks, it's $15,600. So, um, over the year, um, that that obviously equates, um, and you're in essence paying $100 more off of your original monthly payment. So you can see what that gives you, that surplus at the end of the year, um, is is the method that's going to pay down your mortgage faster. Um, probably. Sorry. What's that? Sorry. I was amazed you can come up with those figures so quickly. Yeah, uh, it's a common sort of number that I run with just because it's pretty yeah, straightforward for yep. people. Um, but the other thing we often encourage people to do is just put little um, increments away. The tax return's a classic one if, if you're lucky enough to get um, any form of tax rebate, just throwing those little bits of extra pieces off of your mortgage will obviously bring it down much quicker and everybody wants to get rid of that faster. I, I suppose that depends on also the kind of loan you've got so as long as if you put the money in you can retrieve it, it later so it just doesn't go against the mortgage and loss forever. 
not lost forever. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and again, that links back to what your overall strategy is. So we have people where they make it very clear from the start that they want to be able to pump a lot of extra funds into their mortgage with the um, objective of drawing down to either buy another investment property, buy a business, um, whereas somebody else's objectives might be um, to just pay it down as fast as possible and then um, that's all they want to do. So again, depending on sort of what your circumstances are, will definitely be uh, dependent on the product that you take. The key thing is, is that things like that become important because you don't want to be paying facilities that are not important to you. Um, and yeah, so it's, it, that's probably just links back to making sure you get the right product. And um, so what, what's the benefit of actually using a broker as opposed to going direct to the bank? Yep, and our key focus, especially here at Finestream, is absolutely service. We have a um, priority to give a high quality of service across all of our lenders. Um, typically, brokers will have access to a number of mortgage products. So where you may go into your bank where perhaps you've got a long-standing relationship or your other banking with them, um, they will typically only have a certain collection of products. So um, if you use a broker, they have relationships with a number of lenders. So what might be the right product for you, Fred, could be a completely different product for me. If you go into a bank, we may find you the closest product to what you're after, whereas if you um, use a broker and have access to more products over more lenders, we may find the product that's absolutely spot on for your needs. So um, that's probably you know a key point in terms of choice. Secondly, um, just having a local or a point of contact that you consistently use across all your lending requirements. So for example, we have a number of um, clients that will essentially use us as a private banker. Um, they may have five different loan facilities um, across different properties or, or um, equipment and they may be with all different lenders. So um, they will know that they can just come to us every time, whether it's they want to update a direct debit, they've got a question on one of their loans. Um, whilst there's multiple products from multiple lenders, um, they're only dealing with the one point of contact being us. Um, and, you know, that's, that's probably our key benefits. Um, the Australian market of um, this year has written 53% of the business that goes through to banks in the residential mortgage market has come from brokers. So it's definitely a model that works. Um, more and more people are developing good relationships with their brokers um, in replacement of you know, some mainstream banking facilities. So. Yeah, there's definitely a market there with people who recognise the choice and the service that the broker network's able to give. Okay, um, I know years ago there was um, like first home grants and stuff like that. Is, is that still available or is it, it, is it gone? Yeah, look, it's, it, it's something that's ever-evolving across all the states. Um, each sort of state or territory does have their own um, first home and 
first homeowner grant or FOG scheme um, and the conditions vary greatly amidst all the states. Um, the FOG was introduced by the Federal Government in 2000 and ever since then the, the rules have repeatedly changed. Um, so whilst it's a national scheme, it's funded by the states and territories and administered by each of them individually. So it's often that's the reason that each state or territory, you know, tweaks its FOG rules each year. Um, the, the intention behind it is obviously, you know, to, to stimulate that new market. Um, th they all vary. So in South Australia, the FOG is $15,000 for new home builds only. Um, whereas in New South Wales, it's it's ten thousand dollars for new builds, um, and in I think it's yeah in the Northern Territory, it's twenty six thousand. So they do vary across the states. Typically, it's only for new builds. Um, there was some time where various um, state and state governments were actually giving a full rebate on the whole stamp duty. Um, so that was definitely, um, you know, it, it definitely stimulated things there. But typically, the rule is about the ten thousand dollar allowance just for new builds. Um, but in saying that, there's also a lot of incentives that come from both lenders and from builders um, that are aimed at helping people get into the, the the first home and especially the new home market. Um, you mentioned there that these were like state-based schemes, so you're based in Adelaide. So does that restrict you, or, or can you op operate or assist people in other states? No. So we we run across all states. Um, all it is is that the, the the fog application, so it's actually an application form, um, is administered by we administer that, but it's lodged to the relevant state. So, um, for example, in South Australia, it's um, you know Revenue SA, um, and it's it's the same Revenue Office for New South Wales, um, but uh, yeah. It, it's really a case of just getting the application form for the relative state and then lodging it to their um, corresponding office. And, and you, you obviously help all your clients with that process. Yeah, yeah. So um, that probably links back to the question you asked earlier about service. Is it things like that, managing that application uh, for the first homeowners grant? Some lenders can do it in-house, others um, the form's just given to you and you have to lodge it yourself. We manage all of that process for our clients. Likewise, if there's um, our construction loans, um, often what you'll find there is when people are doing the construction, the builder um, gets heavily involved obviously with the, the bank or financier um, and all of those what's called progress payments that are paid throughout that build from the lender to the builder. Um, there's numerous paperwork that it's exchanged to each of those stages and that's where um, we manage all of that process basically so that um, you're there at the sort of start and the finish to look after the documentation as, uh, based on our advice and then you essentially don't have to do too much um, if anything between that process. Okay. Um just on interest rates and the type of loans, is it, what's the difference in benefits of um, interest-only fixed interest and, and principal-only loans? Yeah, um, yeah it, 
it ultimately depends on the loan versus you know the client and what and what their needs are. Typically, by just dissecting the loans themselves, your interest only is, um, as the name suggests, only paying for the interest component. So the principal remains the same, um, but the interest as it accrued is paid. Um, we see a lot of loans like that with um, investment properties where people are looking to just have it as an interest only facility. Um, fixed interest, um, that's really being in a fixed loan term gives people a lot of certainty in terms of what they're actually paying. Depending on the lender, these can attract um, discounted rates or in some instances even a slightly higher rate. Um, the sort of pros and cons associated with that is that um, you know, you're comfortable with, with what you're paying, um, you, you know what you've got to pay. Um, the downfall is you're absolutely locked in. So once you're in a fixed term, um, then you have to see out that term or the interest penalties apply. And how that's calculated is basically the lender saying, um, you know, we should have earned this much interest, we haven't, therefore we're going to penalise you. Um, so, and then your normal, um, I suppose, normal um, principal and interest owner occupied occupied loan is um, the typical loan that we see where people uh, are living at the premises, they want to pay down their mortgage as quick as possible so they will take a, a principal and interest approach. Okay, I think I, there's um, just one more question I've got, this has been really informative so far. Um, is there anything else that someone entering the home loan market should know? Um, I think it's, it's important that you get as much information as possible so that you're aware of um, you know, fees, charges and whatnot that are applicable. Um, and it's that classic old case of you know, be careful who you get your advice from. Um, the old saying, you, you know, don't take somebody's advice unless you trade places with them. Um, so, Really, it's just having as many facts on the table so that you can eliminate any grey areas or presumptions um, so that when you do enter the home market that you feel well informed, um, your uh, objectives are clear and then you've got the products or product to match those objectives. And I suppose that's a focus on people entering the home loan market but um, there's a lot of... Um, that, that's also said for a lot of people that are already in the market. So often we see clients that come in and they just want to say, oh, you know, I've never looked at my home loan, I just keep paying it, but I kind of want to know what um, I can do in the future. Um, they may be investigating perhaps buying an investment property, they may be reacting to a advertisement on low rates that they see in the general marketplace. So. Um, any advice to any homeowner or to-be homeowner is to um, always just have a look at, at your loan or get somebody else to have a look at it um, because there's absolutely you know, options out there and it is worth looking at because often your circumstances change. What might have been important to you five years ago or what your objectives were five years ago can be very different to what they are now. Um, so yeah, that's probably 
and another thing, both new entrants and existing um, homeowners as well. Fantastic. Um, well, thanks, Luce. It's it's really been a great time today, uh, and I expect that the listeners will you know be looking for more information. What's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, thanks, Fred. Um, I'm available by email, um, so it's Liz at finestream.com.au. Um, you can visit our website, www.finestream.com.au, um, or if anyone wants to contact me via you, they're more than welcome to. Um, if it's just for a general chat, if there's anything of interest I've spoken about, happy to answer any questions, um, so drop me a line. Magic stuff. Um, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed our session together and perhaps we could do it again and cover some more topics. Excellent. Sounds great. Thanks, Fred. No problem. Bye for now. Bye.